0: and turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 23 in your Bibles. Luke's gospel, chapter 23, and I'm actually going to start reading in verse number 13 as we prepare for God to speak to us today. Amen. You can turn my mic down just a little bit. I'm hearing a lot of uh, strange noises Amen. Verse 13 Then Pilate when he had called together The chief priests and the rulers And the people He said to them You have brought this man to me As one who misleads the people And indeed Having examined him in your presence I have found no fault In this man Concerning those things of which you accuse him No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they called out at once, saying, Away with this man, And release to us Barabbas Who had been thrown into prison For a certain rebellion made in the city And for murder Pilate therefore wishing to release Jesus again Called out to them But they shouted saying Crucify him Crucify him Then he said to them the third time Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they had requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Let's pray. Awesome are you, Lord. the Great One. We stand in awe of your word. Your word speaks such life, enthusiasm, and power into our spirits today. Lord, we posture ourselves on this Resurrection Sunday to hear what the Spirit is wanting to communicate. Holy Spirit, as always, direct this message, may my words, the meditation of my heart, and what I proclaim out of my mouth be made found acceptable in your presence, and may we all be transformed by what we hear today. In the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. You can be seated in our God's presence. Last week, we kicked off our Easter series entitled Scandal, and we realized that upon the death of Jesus, there were a lot of scandalous-type activities that were happening prior to his death. So we have been exploring those things, and last week, we talked about betrayal, not only the fact that Jesus was betrayed by uh, someone in his inner, inner circle, which is Judas, but we talked about from an extended point of view, and we learned how to deal with betrayal, because we understand that in the midst of all of that, that if we submit our hearts to God, if we continue to have faith and trust Him, that God will ultimately gain purpose. And how many know that our God is a God of purpose. So Jesus was betrayed. And yet, that was all a part of God's great plan for us. And so that's how we kicked it off last week. And so today, we will continue our series, and we're going to talk today about the trial of Jesus Christ. The trial of Jesus Christ. As I think about this, one thing that keeps coming into my mind, and that is that everybody wants justice. There seems to be, nowhere, no matter where you go, seems to be the, the heart cry of this generation. We want justice. No justice, no peace. We've heard that over and over again. We all are aware of the, the Syrian refugee problem, how that even, I'm sure, with those people, there's a cry of justice. Last week, while we was in here worshiping God, over in Egypt there was a bombing of Christian churches, and I'm sure there was a cry to someone who had experienced that pain directly. We want justice. Seems to be the cry of our generation. And so, when we talk about getting justice, one of the primary ways that we get justice is through our criminal justice system now our criminal justice system is supposed to be objective unbiased it's supposed to be the place when there's been some kind of crime or some kind of issue that you can go there and you can get justice that you will listen and testify before a judge and a jury and you will find people will be honest look at the facts and render a just decision I'm coming toward the end of my law enforcement career. And through my 26 and a half years of working in law enforcement, I've had many opportunities to testify inside of a courtroom. In fact, uh, when I I remember some of the first moments when I had to testify before a jury and a judge, that I was was really kind of... uh, taken by surprise because I discovered that people will lie on you in a heartbeat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So here I am sitting in court and I'm, you know, I'm a country boy, grew up in the country where I grew up, That people just told the truth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, it was just kind of like, you know, well, you know we, in, my, in my neighborhood, we just told the truth. Even though it was ugly, we just had a habit of telling the truth. So I walk inside of a courtroom brand new law enforcement officer, excited about the opportunity to serve. And, and hear somebody walk right in the courtroom and somebody testified against me. And not only did they mischaracterize what I said, but they flat out lied about what I did. And sad to say, sometimes they were successful. And if you're a person of integrity and, and character, It really bothers you when somebody lies on you, doesn't it? I mean, nothing that, I mean, and then I had the flip side of it because I had, you know, I worked in some very, very difficult positions as a detective over the years, and so I've had some victims of some very serious crimes. And every now and then, actually it happened quite a bit because every time I went to trial, that my victims felt like they was been victimized all over again because oftentimes the perpetrator would have and the defense or whatever would have a a bunch of folk that were there that would that would lie, misrepresent the facts, and then sometimes we would lose. And 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 they would and they would look at me and, and it was his tears. They would look at the attorneys and like, what happened and, and, and you could just see it in their eyes. I can't get no justice. I've been wrong and there's nowhere. I can't believe they got off with that. Can't believe they got away with that crime. Yeah, injustice is a hard and difficult thing. Jesus experienced a very unjust trial. As when we think about Jesus Christ, you know it's, as I was preparing this message, you know, it's something about that just doesn't seem right when you say the trial of Jesus Christ." Jesus was put on trial. Now, I want you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus went around doing good. Jesus just blessed people. Every, every opportunity he got, Jesus was speaking life in the people. Jesus was speaking hope. He was inspiring people and people who, who had a sense that there was no justice and there was, they were trapped in a system where they could go nowhere. Suddenly, they, they discovered In a man named Jesus that there was hope. Jesus went around doing good. Blessed people, fed them, healed them, you name it. Jesus did it. How many know Jesus is good? He went around doing good. But how many know that no matter what good you do, Sometimes you don't even have to look all, you don't have to look that hard, but you will find some folk will always, will always have a problem with you no matter what you do. How me know that there's an enemy always lurking around the corner? When God blesses you and God does something in your life, there's always somebody that you can't go share with, I got a raise today, without them saying, Where's mine? And so, Jesus faced a trial. And I believe one of the most unjust trials ever. Jesus never had a chance. No credible attorney would have prosecuted this case against Jesus Christ. Jesus was put on trial because he had some haters. He's put on trial because... He was doing the will of God. So last week we discovered that Jesus was arrested. And what I believe was, again, a bogus arrest. There was no warrant for his arrest. There were no formal charges. There was no explanation of why they were arresting him. They just came and they took him. And then when they took him, when they were there, then they tried to develop a case against him. And it was a very Weak case. So they plotted. Everybody say plotted. Now, how many know that whenever you hear the, hear the word plot, there's a lot of negative connotation that comes with that because nothing good generally comes out of a plot. Am I right about it? When you hear somebody is plotting something against you, your first thing is, defenses go up. What are you trying to do to me? They plotted. Jesus was being set up, at least so they thought. John, I'm going to read a couple of verses to, 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 to drive home this point. John 11:53. 53, then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Matthew chapter 12, verse 14, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Matthew 26, 4, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and to kill him. Matthew 27, 1, when morning came, all the chief priests, these are the leaders, the people that supposed to teach the people the right way to go. These were the people that were in charge. These were the people when you wanted to get spiritual understanding, these were the folks that you went to. The chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. Finally, Mark 3:6. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him and how they might destroy him. So what is a plot? A plot is a plan made in secret by a group of people to do something illegal or harmful. In other words, a plot is designed to destroy your life. That's why we call this series Scandal. It's action or event regarded as morally or illegally wrong. What they were doing to Jesus was wrong. Jesus had done no wrong. I want you to understand that from the beginning, from the time that they arrested Jesus, this was a plot. Their whole trial, their whole case was based on a lie. In other words, church, Jesus was never going to get a fair trial. This was kangaroo court if I ever saw one. Jesus never had a chance they took him, they brought him in, they arrested him on bogus claims and charges. So one might ask the question, how did we get to the point? Now I want you all to stay with me. I know some of you look like you're, I'm losing it, so stay with me. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Come on, tell them wake, yeah, wake up. Wake up. Wake so, up. So the question, this begs the question, Then why was Jesus? How, how did Jesus, how did we get to that point? How did we get to the point that Jesus Christ, who is good, went around doing good, blessing people, speaking hope. How did we get to a point where people get mad at him? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were so mad. They said, we got to concoct a plot, a scheme, a scandal, if you will, so that we can somehow not just destroy his life. I mean, no, they wanted from the beginning to kill him. Here's some, here's some ideas of how we got there, just kind of to characterize uh, Jesus' life just a little bit. Why was Jesus facing the trial? One of the reasons why Jesus, I believe, is facing the trial was because he often demonstrated mercy where people were quick to judge. You remember the woman who was caught in adultery? You remember they dragged her out there? And they said, the law says you're supposed to stone her to death. Jesus, what do you say? oh, don't ever do that to Jesus. You know, they tried to play him. And Jesus knew, because how many know that the, if you go back and look at the law, and this is in John chapter eight, and you'll find this, but the law required that not only the woman that was caught in a be stoned, but it also required that the person she was with be stoned too. Isn't it ironic that only they dragged the woman out? And Jesus very smartly said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone." One by one, they dropped their stones and left. They were mad because Jesus was showing mercy. Jesus healed a blind man and they would get mad. Jesus, why would you heal somebody blind on the Sabbath day? Come on, church. You know, how many know when you're blind, any day to get healed is a good day? Come on. I mean, if you can't see, if I'm blind, brother, I don't care if it's Mama Day. I don't care if it's Christmas. I don't care if it's Easter. All I know, brother, I'm blind. I can't see. And I'm healed today. That's a good day. But those jokers, I said, they didn't even care about the people. All they saw was, you, you Jesus, you, on the Sabbath day. They didn't realize the scope of what Sabbath was all about. Jesus oftentimes, Jesus called into question their doctrine. Oh, oh, let me get this one. One of the things Jesus did also, well, I think he was facing a trial, is Jesus oftentimes insulted them with truth. He insulted them with truth. How many know that truth sometimes would be offensive? <laughs> yeah. You know, brings me back to my old favorite movie uh, with with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson famously declared, you can't handle the truth. Y'all remember that? Jack Nicholson. Did anybody see that movie? Oh. Jesus insulted the religious leaders. He called them out. You know, he said, in fact, he called them hypocrites. He said, y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Not only that, he says, y'all are blind guys. You are causing, you're not only blind yourself, but you are causing other people to fall into the same ditch. In fact, he called them fools. Could you imagine what they were thinking, the Pharisees? I mean, these were the religious leaders, the elders of the people. I mean, they had it together. And and here, Jesus is going to come and call me a hypocrite. He called me blind. Even worse, Jesus called them snakes. (laughs) He said, you're like dead men bone and full of corruption down on the inside. People don't even know how corrupt you are. How dare you, Jesus? All of this is boiling up. Jesus called them to question their doctrine. He says it like this in John in Luke 12, 1. He says, in the meantime, when an a new multitude of people had gathered together, so they, they, they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, he said, first of all, he told his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the teachings of the Pharisees. He says, which is hypocrisy. He said, number one, whatever the Pharisees tell you to do, they don't even do themselves. <laughs> he said, and, and matter of fact, you got to be careful what you hear from them because whatever they say, there's manipulation at the core. It is all about them. It is nothing about you. He says, Beware of what they are teaching you. Watch them. Be careful. There was one time, there were many times when the Pharisees would. Elevate their traditions over the word of God. How many know that traditions should never outweigh the word of God? We live in a... How many know we... Some of us grew up in some traditions... Well, you don't know, I came from the Baptist Church, I came from the Episcopalian Church. I came from the, the Lutheran Church. I, I came from the Pentecostal church. Came, and, and this is the way we did it, and, and this was just our tradition. But you have me know that traditions never outweigh the word of God. Pharisees oftentimes, this is what they did. They elevated their traditions above what God said. This is how they operated. Another reason I believe Jesus was facing this unjust trial was because they feared that Jesus will take their place. Look at this church and their power. I mean, know that even today, people will kill for power. Y'all hear what I'm saying? People will do anything for power as it was then. So it is today. Here, here in John eleven forty seven 47 to 48, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered counsel. watch this, and said, what shall we do? Watch this, church. What shall we do? For this man works many signs. Stop right there for a second. This is John chapter eleven forty seven 47 to 48. I'm just thinking out loud. You know, I wasn't there to see all the stuff that Jesus did. But you would think that when you start seeing people rise from the dead, right? You would think when you start seeing Jesus speak to the water. He speaks to the wind in the way he said peace be still. All the water just boom, stop. You would think when Jesus sat down, took two fish, five loaves and fed Four or 5,000 people plus women and children, you would think that all the people, Jesus healing leprosy, healing people that had to, do, de- you would think they would say, hold on, wait a minute, let me stop. This, this, this ain't no ordinary man. This, this is, this is, we got to stop and think about this. You know what they said? They were so power hungry. I mean, no, they didn't even care about the signs. I mean, know you can be so drunk with what you want. You don't even see the truth that is staring right in your faith because nothing else matters but what you want. I mean, a lot of arguments are that way. In marital relationships, sometimes we're arguing about stuff and it ain't about truth. It's about I just want to win the argument. I just want my way. I know it's the truth. I ain't trying to hear the truth right now. I want to get my point across. Well, dude, this is how we we do it. So they said, as this man, he works many signs and he said, watch this, in verse 48, if we, let him, if we let him alone like this, look at this, church, everyone will believe him. And Romans will come and take, watch this, away both our place and our nation. In other words, they said, look, if we let Jesus keep going, I mean, watch this, he's he going to steal our church members. <laughs> Oh, everybody going to run behind Jesus and we're going to lose our place. I mean, no, it wasn't about the people. It was about their place. It was about power. This is what Jesus was dealing with. They were also jealous of Jesus. Another reason why I believe this is Jesus finds himself here, says in Matthew 27 verses uh, verse 18. This is Pilate talking, so you can have context. For The Bible says when he was brought before Pilate, for he, meaning Pilate, knew that they had handed him over because of envy. One of the reasons why they wanted to, to plot to kill Jesus and take his life simply was because they were jealous of him. They saw all he was doing. They saw the crowds. They saw, they, they could not, They could not impact people the way Jesus did. They couldn't move people the way Jesus did. I mean, Jesus spoke with an authority. There was an anointing. There was a grace on it, and they knew it, and they were jealous, jealous. Instead of being grateful for the gift that God brought, they were angry at him. Finally, Jesus made himself equal with God. Thus, he claimed to be God. The Bible says the Jews in John 10, 31 through 33, the Jews then took up stones and stoned them. Jesus says, for many good works I've shown you from my daddy. <laughs> for which of these do you stone me? Why are you trying to kill me? I mean, come on. Why, why are you trying to kill me? They said for, for good work. We don't stone you, but for blasphemy. You being a man, make yourself God. See, they ignored the power of Jesus's ministry. They rejected his claim. They weren't even open because in their minds, Jesus was the Messiah would come a certain way. And how many of you have discovered in your life that God oftentimes don't come wrapped the way he, you think? Oftentimes, when God moves, He doesn't move in the way that you think. This is why people get upset. This is why people get mad at God because they thought God was going to do it this way and because they prayed that and God didn't do it the way God. God still did it, but God did it a whole different way. And you're mad, you're upset because that's not the way that you wanted to be done. But how many know we ought to rejoice when He does it? I'll hear what I'm saying this morning. So, so we understand that this is all like the culmination of all these things. Led to them wanting to devise a plot and to kill him. So let's go back to the trial. So what was some of the problems with this trial? How many have ever, by show of hand, I want to know the charges. How many ever had been in a courtroom and had to testify? Let's raise your hand. Anybody had? had, Boy, this is a one person. Anybody had jury duty? Y'all ain't going to jury duty. That's what it is, right? This is an innocent group. But let's look at some of the problems with this trial. I want, you to, I want you to understand this because we're talking about the scandals and all the things that were going on behind the background. First of all, they sought people who would lie during the trial. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 59 and 60. Look at, listen to this. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false Testimony. Now hear that. You know, when a, when a lawyer wants to bring a case to court, a, a good lawyer, they, they, they want a good witness. How many know? And, and a good witness tell the truth. A good witness tell the truth. Here you find a situation where these are religious people. That's why you know, don't have a trip when religious people act up. Religious people always have acted up. Don't put your hope and trust in, in religious people. Don't put your hope and trust in the man. Always put your hope and trust in God. So what? So the chief priests and the elders and the council, watch this, they sought false testimony. In other words, they went out while the trial was going on. First they arrest Jesus, bring him in, and while Jesus is standing there, now they're trying to find out if there's anybody that, that, can, that can help us solidify Something that, that that can make it stick, so we can take him to pilot and have him killed. So, so then they go out. If you can imagine this, they go out and do, while the child is going on, they go out and they try to. We need. Is anybody here witness? Anybody here uh, willing to to come in and, and testify falsely? We just need to get a conviction. How I many know if anybody, if you're in a court, if you're ever in a courtroom and God, I hope you never have to be, but if somebody walk into the court, walk out there and say why the trial's going on, are you willing to lie? You better run as far from that place. How I many know that would be like that's a travesty? I mean, no way, it's unbelievable. This is what these religious leaders were doing. They were seeking false witnesses. They didn't want they didn't want truth. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Come on, say amen. Come on, stay with me. They didn't want truth. They want they were seeking somebody that will walk into the the courtroom, and lie just so they can figure out a way to kill Jesus. But the Bible says in verse 6, but they found none. Watch this. Even though, watch this. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none, but at least, what? But at last, all of a sudden, I mean, you always find somebody that's willing to cheat. Come on, somebody. You would always find one or two people, if you look hard enough, that's willing to cheat. That's willing to lie. But at last, two false witnesses came forward. And the Bible says in, 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 Matthew, in Mark fourteen fifty six, for many bore false witness against them, but their testimonies did not agree. <clears throat> so here it is. So now, not only are they seeking false witnesses, but also... The witnesses that came in there because they were lying, their stuff was all in conflict. They didn't even agree. Any prosecuting attorney, any lawyer will be like, you, we, we, we can't take this case. But I wanted you to see how tainted and how messed up this trial was. And then they made a claim. Here's the claim. They made a claim that Jesus committed blasphemy. Well, if you look at Leviticus chapter 24, 15, here's, what, here's how you define blasphemy. Then you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as with him, who was born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Blasphemy at the core means profane talk against God. It is to curse God. Jesus was always very careful to say that he did nothing except what he saw his father do. Jesus was always very careful to, to make sure that he honored God in everything he did. He said, look, I'm of my father, and you're of your father, the devil. He said He said to the Pharisees, he said, your daddy is Satan himself. Boy, they got mad at that, and they wanted to take him out. But, but then watch this. Now, watch, here's another problem with the trial. So, so, so they, they say, well, it was blasphemy. Right? And then they, they make up more charges as they go. It says in Luke chapter 23, verse 2 and 3, watch this. And they begin to accuse him, watch this, saying we found this fellow perverting the nation. Remember we, t- we said earlier what Jesus went around doing? I-, I would say Jesus was doing a lot of good stuff. Watch this. And he forbidden forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. So now they're adding charges of the bogus. Oh, by the way, uh, Pilate, because he's before Pilate now, uh, Jesus was telling folk not to pay taxes, which was a flat lie because you can read Matthew twenty-two twenty. 20. Jesus said, rent unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, rent unto God that which belonged to God. But they flat the lie. And so now they're adding on more charges. Y'all seen this travesty. And Pilate even got to a place when they bring him before Pilate. Listen, listen to me. So they bring him before Pilate. And Pilate, Pilate examines everything that they claimed against Jesus. And not that Pilate listened to them, listened to all the claims, because the Romans had the authority to put Jesus to death. Pilate finally said, uh, <clears throat> I listen to everything you said. I find no fault in this man. I, I, I know what y'all are saying, but I find no, I, as far as I'm concerned, and what I'm seeing, he's done nothing wrong. So then Pilate then takes him over to Herod. Herod, He's intrigued by Jesus. Herod found no no wrong in him. So so they send him back. And then Pilate, realizing that the Pharisees had did this, that Jesus was being set up. Here's what Pilate thought. Pilate said, here, he said, here's here's what I'm going to do. And you can read this in in, in Luke chapter, uh, in in the same uh, verse we read earlier as as we begin the sermon in Luke chapter 23, verses 13 down to 21. I'm not going to read it again. But but we can see that Pilate really wanted to set Jesus free. So Pilate was hoping, watch this, Pilate was hoping that, 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 that after they beat Jesus real good, that they would say, the crowd would say, okay, let him go. But no, they didn't say that see, understand that it was customary that around Passover time, every time around Passover, around that time, that they release a criminal. This is just what they did. The Roman government, they didn't have to do it, but this is what they did. And so they bring this guy up named Barabbas, who was a murderer. He had caused an insurrection. And they, they say, look, you got Barabbas, you got Jesus. And finally, Pilate got to a point. He didn't, he didn't know what else to do. He, he, you know, because the people basically was starting to, you know, the Pharisees that got folks stirred up. And, 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 and when they, when they brought the, both the, the thief and the criminal before and the murderer, they bring them up before the people and they bring up Jesus, and they shouted, kill Jesus! We want Barabbas! We want Barabbas! Pilate then caves to political pressure. And Jesus, Jesus is condemned to death. Now, that's not the end of the story. Now everybody say providence of God. Come on, you got to do better. Say providence of God. So we see now that Jesus arrests, let's, let's kind of go back. So Jesus, we, we, we're looking at this, this thing. This, there was a plot against his life. The Pharisees were behind the scenes. They were trying to set Jesus up. They wanted him killed. They wanted him destroyed. So they were working diligently to do that. So they, 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 they arrest him on these bogus charges. The trial is all messed up. You got all these false witnesses. You got liars testifying. All this, this is a scandal if I ever heard one. And finally we get to this place where Jesus was condemned to die. And ultimately Jesus died on the cross. And as we said at the beginning of our service, he rose again. But let me say this before we get there. Jesus, and this is, this, is what, this is what amazes me about God. Because how many know that there's never a time when God is not in control? Oh, come on. Let me say that again. There's never a time when God is not in control. All right? Trump ain't in control. Am I right about it? Any other leader of any nation ain't in control. Congress ain't in control. Are y'all hearing that? God is always in control. In fact, Jesus, even though they put him, listen, see, see, they meant it for evil, but how you many know God will turn it for good? How you many know that there could be people plotting stuff against you? But if you walk with God, God would take the evil that they're trying to do, and he will flip it for your favor. So the whole time, watch this. So Jesus now, Jesus was in full control. And, and, and many of the people who were seeing Jesus hung up on that cross. They saw him being nailed. Many of them, they were crying. Oh, God. And it looked like Jesus had lost. Even some of the disciples were starting to wonder. They said, man, they drove, they drawing them spikes in their pretty hard. He looked like he dead to me. I want you to understand that all the while, Jesus was in full control. In fact, Jesus, I'm going to give you a a little bit of glimpse. In in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, watch this. This is what Jesus says. He said, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples, watch this, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, scribes, and be killed and raised again on the third day. In other words, Jesus told his posse. Can I use that word posse? Is that okay? That's not do Jesus told the father. He said, look, here's the deal. Here, these jokers, can I paraphrase? Is it all right? Like? I can paraphrase. See, these jokers over here, they, they think they're in control because they, 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 they're all trying to set me up. They, 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 they're concocting these plots and these schemes against me. They ain't in control. But here's what's going to happen. I'm going to let them, I'm going to let them kill me so that I can bring you life. How many of you know that God hung Jesus on that cross, and Jesus got up on that cross not because man wanted it to, it's because God had allowed it. Paul said it like this in Romans. Paul says, oh my goodness, how unsearchable are his ways. What the Pharisees didn't realize, church, is is, is that, see, one of the reasons why Jesus, if you look at the trial, the whole time when they're hurling these accusations at Jesus, Jesus just stands there. He don't say nothing. The Bible says he was like a lamb. He didn't open his mouth. Jesus, why are you quiet? Don't you know, Jesus, I have the power. There was one time when Jesus spoke. Pilate said, Jesus, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus looked up he said, you would have no power unless it wasn't given you from above. You ain't really got no power. You don't understand that the thing that you're meaning for me the evil that you want to plot against me, that you're walking into a trap that has been set so that you can have life. I know God loves us enough to want to give us life. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that. So, it was God that nailed him. This was all a part of God's plan. So, Jesus is there. Jesus, Jesus was not, Jesus endured the, 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 the pain of this trial uh, uh, the, the lies, the deceit, the false accusations. Why? So that we could have life. In fact, I love Isaiah. I got to read this. This is Isaiah chapter five, fifty-three, 53, verse 5 and 10, because you, you'll get it. I want to read this. If you can turn there, turn there. I, I just want to read this. Isaiah chapter 53. Verses 5 through 10, because this is prophetic. Isaiah is speaking about the death of Jesus. So here it is. They're thinking in their mind, we're going to kill him. But they don't understand that God had already preordained. God had already took the evil. How many, know, how many know God doesn't cause evil, but God will work all things together for our good? Y'all hear what I'm saying? That's what Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together. What? For our good. So they can mean it evil, but how do know God is always thinking about what's good for us? Isaiah chapter 53 verses 5 and 10. But he was wounded for our transgressions. But them Pharisees didn't have a clue. Come on out, brother. Come on out. They, they didn't understand this. Watch this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Think about the trial. Think about all that stuff that was going on. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, come on, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We have turned everyone to his own way. Everybody in here. And the Lord, look at this. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, he was opposed. What's this? He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. And you went before Pilate. He didn't say a word. He says, because this, it had to happen in order for God to do what he needed to do to redeem us and to bring us out of sin, in order for God to give us life, in order for Jesus to come out, out of the grave. How do we know that he first had to die and get in the grave? This was all of part." Of our God's plan. And and, and it says in verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off, killed from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. But here's verse 10. This is is where you got to get it. I love this. This gives me peace because it reminds me of the sovereignty of God. That God is always in control. This is good. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. it pleased the Lord. It pleased God to bruise Jesus. For he has, God has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand wow so why did Jesus endure this harsh wicked ungodly plot scheme murder was so that God could bring us life that's it and so because of that I'm glad he hung up on that cross y'all hear what I'm saying this morning I'm glad he didn't come down. I'm glad when they kept saying, get off the cross. If you, if you are who you say you are, Jesus, come down. Is anybody here glad that he didn't come down? He maintained his focus. He said, no, I'm here to, I came to die. And God had in actuality set a trap for them. But the trap for them was so that he might save the very people that tried to trap him. I don't know about you, but I understand that to be love personified. He endured it for us. The cruel, the bloody, the undeserved punishment. His resurrection, gosh, it was for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're amazing, Jesus. You're amazing, God. How unsearchable are your ways. And God, you're past finding out. We can't comprehend how, God, that you allow man to operate in his will, but yet at the same time, your will supersedes the will of man, which is to say, God, that you're always in control. Man is never in control. Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you for the life of your son. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you, Jesus for staying the course, for not giving in to the pressures. You reminded us, Jesus. You said, I have a baptism to complete and I am determined to get it done. Jesus, you got it done. (laughs) And we're all here today. Some of us have been saved for many, many years. We are all here today, Jesus, because you, you got it done. You did it. What a wonderful Savior.